0: Hey, when was the last time you made a great memory? Great memories often don't just happen. I'm TJ Reed from Vitamin Lead, and I want to invite you to join us February 29th, Leap Day, from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. in downtown Norfolk for our seminar, How to Create a Memorable Life. You can RSVP on our Facebook page on Vitamin Lead on Facebook, uh, or you can email us at vitaminleadteam at gmail.com. We would love to have you join us on February 29th from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. to learn how to create a memorable life. What's up, everybody? This is TJ Reed, and you are listening to Vitamin Leads, your healthy dose of leadership. We are on a mission to help you develop consistency, a thriving career, and to find company for the journey as a leader. Join us and leaders from over 300 cities around the world as we now dive into Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Vitamin Lead, your healthy dose of leadership. I'm your host, TJ Reed. Man, what a great start to 2020 we have had. Have you had a great start to 2020? I've so enjoyed talking to Bill Coletti and Dr. Bob Habib thus far. This week, we're talking to Kim Addis of Frame of Mind Coaching. Uh, Next week, I'll be sharing the first of a multi-part series that we'll be publishing this year called Inadequate. Have you ever felt inadequate? It's something that I've actually uh, been dealing and thinking a lot through, uh, especially in the last year. And so I look forward to sharing some thoughts with you. Uh, We'll be talking next week specifically about inadequate mindsets. And then I'll share my interview with Jason Yost, the creator of the New Rhythm Journal, along with his wife, Shelly Yost. Then the first weekend in February, we'll be talking with Mike Moran and Greg Rousseau of Advanced Life Skills. uh, And we'll have more to come about February as we get into next weekend and the weeks to come. Finally, for those of you near Norfolk, Virginia, we're having our very first Vitamin Lead seminar entitled How to Create a Memorable Life. This is going to be a part of our Lead Yourself series. If you're anywhere near here, if it's a two-hour drive or less, let me encourage you to be here with us on Leap Day, February 29th. Make it a point to come out to the seminar. Join us from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. on Leap Day in downtown Norfolk. Uh, You can RSVP on our Facebook page, and we will continue to send you updates from there. Uh, But I hope that you will make it a point to join us for that. It's going to be a fun day. All right, so today we're talking with Kim Addis. Kim is the president and founder of Frame of Mind Coaching and Journal Engine Software. Uh, This was a fun interview with her. Uh, She's an author, speaker, entrepreneur, coach, and mother of five. She has 15 years of experience coaching many of North America's most respected leaders. She's recognized as an expert in the area of thought mastery, and Kim uses her unique philosophy and quirky coaching style to help her clients deal with core issues and shift their thinking in order to yield extraordinary results. Uh, I think you're going to like this one, and so listen closely as we talk with Kim Addis of Frame of Mind Coaching. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Vitamin Leads, your healthy dose of leadership. I'm your host, TJ Reed, and I am excited today to have with us Kim Addis. Kim, thank you for being here on Vitamin Lead.
1: I'm over the top happy to be here talking to you today. Thank you for having me.
0: Kim, uh, I, you are uh, the founder and the leader of uh, Frame of Mind Coaching. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself and Frame of Mind?
1: Yeah, I've been doing this for 15 years. And what we do is we have a team of executive coaches and we work with the highly driven population. We work with executives, entrepreneurs, c suite senior leaders, anybody who really, really has big goals that they want to achieve and wants a little help. Maybe they've reached a ceiling, maybe they're frustrated with something, maybe they can't seem to get where they want to go on their own, they reach out to us and we help them get past whatever it is that's getting in the way.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And so you've been doing that for a while now. Uh, yeah. That's right. exciting. <laughs> well, one of our favorite questions, Kim, uh, that when we have guests on is, would you tell us about one of your first jobs and maybe a lesson that you learned that you have still carried to this point in your life? Because we have a lot of, a lot of our listeners are like early in their careers. And so they're just starting out. So I, I love hearing some wisdom from the road there.
1: Well, I have lots of first jobs. Like, are you talking like when I was really young, a kid or older than that?
0: either either one whichever whatever sparks sparks to mind right now i'd okay. love to hear either
1: so as a kid and throughout my high school career i always sold things uh so when i was really young we used to go to cape cod on vacation and i used to sell massage massages on the beach of course they were to all our friends and relatives but there was a big huge group of us so i would sell them for two dollars for 10 minutes i don't okay. know i was thought i was ma- becoming rich right and then as i got older i was selling like crates of oranges. We would collect points and money so that we could go on trips with the with the high school. I would sell cheese boxes. I would sell dance tickets, what, whatever they asked me to sell. I was out there pounding the pavement. I even sold um, Avon once. So whatever okay. I could sell, I would sell.
0: Do you, do you think that's what made you a great entrepreneur uh, is those those early things of selling?
1: Uh, You know what I'll tell you, I remember very, very clearly, like again, I was in high school and uh, my mother was a bank manager at the time. My father was an entrepreneur, he owned a business. And and the three of us, because my siblings were a lot older than me, so I was the last one left in the house. But the three of us would sit around the dinner table and we would talk. And I remember this conversation distinctly, probably because it happened more than once. But my mother would come home and tell me stories of what happened at the bank. And inevitably it would go like this, my customers love me. That's what she would say. And okay. at that moment, like I remember making a clear decision. I want my customers to love me too. Mm. And so for me, there's a huge amount of everything that I do that is very, very customer centric customer focus. I want my clients to leave. Uh, having this indelible experience in their brain, like this was a turning point for them. This was a moment Mm -hmm. in their lives where they took a sharp right turn and things changed dramatically for the better. So that conversation with both of my parents actually, really set in deeply for me and made me decide, like, I don't wanna be just another coach. I don't wanna be just another entrepreneur. I want to make a huge, massive difference in the lives of my clients. Hmm.
0: That's good. So when you when you take that, uh, you want your customers to love you. Uh, <laughs> it, it's 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 a lot easier to control. I know in my life personally, it's a lot easier to control with just me, myself, and I overseeing the quality control of that. But as yes. you grow a, a company, a coaching business, how yes. do you make sure that your customers love all of your coaches?
1: So by and large, they do. Like we have you know, not just mildly happy clients, we generally have raving fans across the board, regardless of the coach, regardless of the client. And so how do we ensure that? Number one, every single coach started off being a client. So they went through the coaching experience, experienced that, you know, off the charts experience and said, how do I do this? How do I deliver this kind of coaching journey for someone else? How do I do that? So we created a coaching certification process where we teach people exactly how to coach, how to look at how a person is thinking and understand how they're wired and understand how their thinking is leading towards or away from the results that they want. So first, we give them the experience. Secondly, we teach them that experience. Thirdly, we give them a, um, a format or a framework to use that is consistent from client to client to client. So if I have a framework that I'm using over and over and over again, or a process, you could say, we know that that process is deep and impactful. It's gonna be different for you than it is for the next person or the next person because you're individuals, but the process is rock solid. So we know that the combination of the process, the framework, the principles, and their own experience and their desire to deliver that kind of service will create an out of the park experience every time
0: what i love so much about when i was reading about uh frame of mind coaching was that you're of the belief you're like i need them to get to a point where they can be independent of this you 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 said that like with so much of coaching it makes them dependent on the coach and you feel like that's unethical almost sometimes like that you would just keep them dependent on you
1: well that's it so a lot of coaching programs are based on the concept of accountability right and so for me i believe that in a coaching relationship Uh, the accountability model is, first of all, very dated. But second of all, I feel like it's it's unethical at best and then detrimental at worst. So Mm. why is it unethical? Because if, let's say I'm coaching you and I hold you accountable and it works, right? And you're like reaching all your goals, but it's because I'm holding you accountable, then what have I done? I've created a system of dependence on me. And Mm. that's not really ethical, is it? My job as a coach is to create independence, not dependence. And, but it, for me, the real question or the real problem happens when, hey, you're frustrated because you're not reaching your goals on your own. Now, let's say I hold you accountable and you're still having problems not reaching your goals. How do you feel now? Even worse than you started. And so okay. now I've created, uh, I've exacerbated the problem rather than made it better for you. So mm. I've, I've taken someone who's desperately looking for help and I've helped them dig a deeper hole for themselves. And to me, that's really harmful.
0: So what does it look like if somebody isn't meeting their goals in your system? Like, like how do you you help them there?
1: Yeah, so for me, it's not, you know, a lot of people think the reason you're not reaching your goals is because you're not doing the things you need to be doing. Uh, But for me, the question is, if you're not reaching your goals, Why aren't you reaching your goals? What's really standing in the way? And what we see over and over again is that the reason people struggle to reach their goals is because they have a set of beliefs, a set of perspectives that prevent them from taking the actions correctly that will lead to their goals. And so a lot of times coaches just say, okay, well, here are the 10 things you need to do. Let's go, just get them done. And then when they don't get them done, they're like, well, why didn't you get them done? You're not really serious about this, are you? but for me, I want to know what's underlying, what's really getting in the way. Like how did, how did, how were you indoctrinated? What messages did you receive when you were a child? What experiences did you have that led you to form the current beliefs you have? So for example, let's take an Olympic runner. An Olympic runner isn't going to beat all the other runners if they're standing at the starting line going, I'm never going to win right? Game over before even that gun goes off. Right? Yeah. So what are the beliefs? What is that dialogue that's happening in your brain about this goal? And when we can understand what that is, when we can clean that up and line up your thinking with your goals, now we can start talking about action. But Hmm. oftentimes action is spoken about or planned out prematurely way Hmm. before a person's thinking is actually lined up with their desires or goals.
0: I think that's something I've realized about myself this last year was I just had this kind of like un- underlying inadequacy and it came out in like what I thought was endearing self-deprecation. But uh, really what it was is it was an insecurity and inadequacy that I felt that was deep down inside of me.
1: So you didn't actually have an ina- inadequacy. You had a belief that you were yeah. ina- inadequate. That's a huge distinction.
0: Yeah, that's really good. I like that. Right? I, I I I think I read that you, that's part of why you developed the journal engine as well, right? Like you were having people in business like journal, so you could see what the feelings and beliefs were, right?
1: Right. So when we coach someone, what we do is we want to see how they think and we want to pick up their patterns. And so what we do is we ask them to journal every single day in this online journal called Journal Engine. So at the beginning of the week, they get a journaling question or a prompt, and they start journaling. And every time they journal, their journal goes back to their coach, who then reads and responds to the journal. That's happening every single day. So imagine if I was your coach, you and I would be interacting every single day. That's over and above the weekly phone calls. And it's part of the process. It's not like, oh, if you want to reach out, reach out when you want. It's, It's built in the system. You must journal every day. And so when you journal, what happens is, I see how you're wired. I see how you think. I see how you see yourself and the world around you. And I start to understand your self-perception, how you view yourself. And if your view of yourself isn't lined up with your goals, your desires, your hopes and your dreams, you're never going to get there. And that needs to be adjusted and addressed immediately. Yeah. It's very powerful. Like the process is very intense and it's extremely intimate, but our goal is to help clients move very fast or a, a, a great distance in a short period of time.
0: Yeah. Man, that's so good. Yeah. J- journaling, it, it, if you don't stop to think about it, man, you just, it's like you're ice skating on top of something with all these fears that are underneath the ice there. That's right. It could crack any minute.
1: That's right. And what's really cool, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but very shortly, we're going to be launching for the public beyond our clients, something called the journal that talks back, enabling anybody to journal and receive feedback from someone qualified on the other end. So this is not AI, there's an actual human being on the other end, who's reading and responding to your journals by asking you deep probing questions to help you see what you can't see by yourself.
0: Wow. Sign me up. I want to be one of the first people with that. That sounds awesome. You know
1: what? We might just reach out to you. We're looking yeah, for a group be of great. people to, to kick us off.
0: Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. Well, uh, let me pivot us here a little bit. Uh, sure. I want to spend a little bit of time talking about parenting and leadership because sure. that's something that you're really passionate about, right? Yep. Um, we, they've already heard in your bio that you're a super mom of five, but what do you see as kind of the correlation between parenting and leadership?
1: So what I see is that really parenting is a leadership role. Parenting is leadership. Really great parents are really great leaders and really great leaders uh, apply some of the core parenting skills or strategies in their leadership approach. And so if I were to say like, what's the single most important parenting uh, principle or, you know, foundational concept is that really great parents don't try so hard or don't work so hard at managing their kids. They work much harder at managing themselves when their kids are doing the things that kids do, which sometimes we just don't understand, right? Right. So when our kids are having temper tantrums, when our kids are experimenting with whatever they're experimenting with, weed, drugs, girlfriends, boyfriends, drinking, staying out late, whatever, or when they're experimenting with things at a young age, like writing on the wall or whatever it is that they're doing rather than stepping in and and stepping over and grabbing our kids sometimes physically and sometimes you know virtually right rather than stepping in and trying to manage their behaviors what amazing parents do is they manage their own emotional state and find a way to stay calm throughout all that and find a way to keep their own personal equilibrium and not use their children's behavior as their reason for also having temper tantrums for also losing it for yelling raising their voice just going crazy right so we often see parents who say well my kids are doing x y and z no wonder i'm stressed and out of my mind so we use our kids as our very good reason Mm. to lose self-control and what I I work with a lot of leaders and very strangely, most of them have kids and they often want to talk about their kids and how they struggle with their kids. And what we do is we use the principles of leadership with children and and it's no different. So as a leader, my primary role is self-management. As a parent, my primary role is self-management too. We believe our primary role is the management of them right? The management of our kids, the management of our employees, the management of product development, the management of competitive uh, strategy, the management of everything else outside of us. And sure, I mean, it's good to keep an eye on all that stuff and, you know, have something to say, but if you're not managing yourself, it's all useless. So that's really the foundation of parenting. There's a whole lot more that goes with that, but that's, a very key principle that we use. And it's the one that's the hardest for parents to actually implement and apply.
0: Yeah, that's so good. I, just parenting things that, uh, that, one of the biggest struggles that I have is with that next position, like if I didn't take care of myself Um, I I reach this depleted state where I'm reacting and the values that I don't want to have for my life. And so.
1: Exactly. And one of the things that I teach parents is like, what actually are you modeling? What behaviors are you modeling? What are your kids learning from you? On Mm. all levels. So when someone frustrates you, how do you react? Because they're learning how to react exactly that way when someone frustrates them. And if they frustrate you, how do you react? Because they're picking that up as well.
0: I have a three-year-old. I'm learning this in-depth study right now.
1: (laughs) Yes. Uh, A three-year-old boy or girl? A girl. A girl. So that must be a lot of fun.
0: It is. It's a lot of fun. She's going to be a bold leader in the world. But we're figuring out how to help channel that well.
1: So yesterday, I was on a call with a whole bunch of people. We have these monthly, uh, like a mastermind call every month. Uh, For people who are who have gone through or are going through our certification program and somebody brought a question to the call, which was like, hey, I have a five year old son and he just doesn't come to the table for dinner. You know, we have to beg him and, you know, trick him and convince him and, you know, if he's if he has a screen in front of him fine, we can get him to eat. But Mm. other than that, it's like a negotiation every night and it's really tough. And so my question was, what's your goal? Like, what is it that you really, really want with respect to dinner and food? He said, I want to have a peaceful dinner. I go, great. So when you're negotiating and when you're feeding him and when the screens are at the table, are you at peace? Mm. He said, no. I said, okay, so what's it going to take for you to be at peace? Right? So how can you come to the table peacefully? One thing that's really important is to not glue or tie your emotional state to whether or not your son is eating or sitting, Mm. right? So that's part A. Part B is we put so much effort, so much time, like literally so many words come out of our mouths telling our kids what to do. Come sit down, take a bite, take one more drink, one more bite. How about a vegetable? You know, the whole story, right? And it's on and on and on and incessant. Rather than putting your energy on that, how about putting some energy in creating a peaceful dinner experience? How about putting some energy and effort into bringing something to the table that draws your kids to the table? A story, a joke, an interesting experience you had, a riddle, whatever it is, bring something to the table that draws them in, that makes Mm. dinner time an interesting, special, magical place, rather than the place where so much conflict and tension and stress exists. Make it a place where they want to be, regardless of whether or not they eat. And oh, by the way, help your kids manage their own eating. Because when you manage their eating, guess what happens to them as they grow up? They Mm. don't know how to read the cues of hunger, right? And Mm. then they have all kinds of eating problems. Yeah. We want to allow our kids to feed themselves. We want to, as, as early as possible, we want them to pay attention to whether or not they're hungry and eat when they are, rather than just because it's dinner time. we want to enable them to have self-control over that aspect of their lives. we think we can have control over their eating but you know like even when a baby is really really small they'll spit up if they don't want to eat like they're really the ones in control
0: yeah they are and that's what they want they uh the, the thing that opened my eyes the most i was reading this book this year and it was no matter what age your kid is, they have an agenda for their life. Even if they're three years old, they have a set agenda in their mind of what they want to do today. They want to play blocks, they want to do this. And we've got to work alongside of them with that because they're a person in in their own right that wants those. Exactly, yeah. That's good. Um, What are some of your life hacks that you've used to be a great entrepreneur and a great parent kind of simultaneously? So one of them is
1: just try to the best of my ability to just be where i am so where i'm on this podcast there's nothing else that exists i'm not looking down at my phone i'm not checking email i'm not i'm not doing anything but just being here right now with you that's all i'm doing so be where you are turn everything else off in however you can turn it off don't you know like i try to minimize distractions the second thing is like what is this all about like why are we an entrepreneur why are we actually here Like for me, my business is my playground. So am I having fun? If not, I need to look at what's going on that's causing me not to have fun and change it, fix it, eliminate it, remove it, improve it, upgrade it, whatever. But if I'm not having fun, something's broken.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right, so I always wanna make sure that I'm reviewing the things that I'm doing. I'm always cleaning things out. I'm always getting rid of things or delegating things. But I'm, I'm always trying to reinvent my role so that I'm kind of climbing up and making sure that I'm taking care of my own emotional state in this role as leader of the company, as coach, as mother, whatever. But I would say those are the two good good hacks for you.
0: That's good. One of the things that uh, sometimes my wife has had to remind me of is I'll be... Uh, I'll be coming home and she'll go, you got to remember, like, you, you can't manage us the way you manage at work a lot of times. And so uh, have you have you found kind of like, do you have any rituals you do to kind of switch gears? I know you said shutting things down. But is there anything that you do to kind of head into that that family gear as you're getting home?
1: Yeah, you know what, like, I mean, historically, I'd come home from work, and I was responsible for dinner. My husband does the laundry. We have a lot of kids, so he would do a lot of loads of laundry. And my job was dinner. And, uh, you know, just being in the kitchen and like literally being with your hands, working with food causes you to switch gears. I don't know. It's just, that's the way it is, right? Like you're suddenly in a kitchen in a different environment, handling vegetables, meat, whatever it is that you're doing. And that is like a little bit of a transition time, right? Mm. Where I'm just taking care of something completely wildly different physically and mentally that I was all day long. So it's interesting, but ask yourself, like what is the transition period you're allowing yourself? So is it just that you're switching or is there a a piece of the day where you give yourself a a chance to move to a new state or a new place?
0: Hmm. Like the drive home or something like that. Yeah, whatever it
1: it is, whatever it is, yeah.
0: Um, let's pretend that you're coaching someone who's uh, just really desperate to connect with their family. They're working crazy hours and they don't feel like they can get away from it. Uh, What questions would you ask? I know you've already given us some tips of what you do, but are there other questions that you would ask folks like
1: that? Yeah, so for me, it's not about like, okay, here are the 10 things you can do to reach your family. You know, you can call them, you can text them, you know, like all that follows. The question is, so what's actually stopping you from connecting with your family? What beliefs do you have? that really say, hey, I can't let go of what I'm doing right now. I don't have the time. This here thing is more important than that. So what are the beliefs that you have? So I never feel like I have to manage the actions or the activities of my clients, but rather help them think in ways that line up with what it is that they wanna do or, or experience or have. Um, and so that would be my approach. So what's actually getting in the way? Like, so what would happen, for example, if you took five minutes out of your day and sent a text like what would go down or what does it stop you from doing or what you know that five minutes what you know what does it take away from in other places in your life and so really what we're doing is we're challenging a person's beliefs because the reason you do anything or don't do anything is really a reflection of the beliefs you have and 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 before we start giving people tasks or action steps we want to make sure that they're thinking maybe they just actually don't want to connect with their family. Maybe they think like they have to, it's their obligation, Mm -hmm. it's their duty. But when they do, they're just going to feel guilty. So they're avoiding it, right? Like, so what's actually going on there? Do they want to connect with their family? Or are they actually finding really great reasons to stay far away and avoid it? And they think, well, this is a good reason I'm working, right? So we want to dig underneath and really see what's going on.
0: That's good. I, I, I know I find with myself sometimes I play to like an invisible boss that even my boss wouldn't be like that, but you just play to this <laughs> invisible boss in your head. Well, I can't do that or that, but when it comes down to it, you're like, that's just an invisible belief that I've developed over time.
1: We invent things all the time, right? Yeah. All of us, we always invent stories and uh, reasons, excuses, and they're all 100% a function of our thinking and our beliefs. Hmm.
0: Now, Kim, uh, if I understand correctly, I watched one of your recent podcasts. You're actually working on a TED talk on parenting and leadership. Is that right?
1: I I am. I am working on a TED talk. So I have to tell you with complete transparency, TED talks are not an easy thing to work on. Uh, So the first thing that happened was I hired a TED talk coach who is incredible, amazing, unbelievable, fantastic. I went to see her with zero, like zero script and in the span of two days, we created something. Then I wow. went back and she's like, okay, I want you to stand up and start speaking it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not ready for this. <laughs> um, and then I had to learn it. And so I do a lot of speaking and most of my speaking is 100% like off the cuff, not off the cuff, I know my material and it's all interactive. So I don't need to remember every single word, every single, okay, just it's in my body. I know it, but my Ted talk, not so much. And so mm. I can't tell you how incredibly, I don't know, I stressed myself out trying to learn this script. It was just, I, I don't remember anything being as hard as this in a very, very long time. So it was really tough. And then I did a dry run a couple of weeks ago and I did it at the end. I'm like, wow, I did a good job. But then I saw the video and I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I gotta work harder. I gotta work harder. Like it's good. I give myself an 80%, but it's that extra 20%, that extra polish, that extra, just that finish that makes all the difference. So I'm working on the finish.
0: Yeah. You want to get on that uh, daily TED Talk podcast, get yours sent out to the world, right? That's what's going to make the difference.
1: That's right.
0: Well, it's a good message. We'll be rooting you on as you uh, go towards it. It's coming up soon, the TED Talk.
1: Uh, well i'm working on it i'm not quite ready for it but i see it happening in 2020 yeah
0: that's awesome that's exciting well we're, we're yeah. cheering you on and look forward to thank seeing you. you on the ted talk podcast
1: thank you so much
0: how about one more question for you kim um vitamin lead uh, our tagline is your healthy dose of leadership uh, how would you define healthy leadership
1: so you know i i think leadership i use the word freedom freedom is something we're all after what is freedom Freedom is being able to um, feel good, regardless of what's going on around you, regardless of the tangible, tactical stress that exists around you, regardless of perhaps the conflict that is right in front of you, whether it's your kids or your employees. Uh, Freedom is the ability to be okay with what is and not need to step in, change it or manage it. And so for me, absolutely the healthiest level of leadership is to see something that's not quite right and be okay with it, but then focus on solutions rather than focus on how terrible, awful, and bad this is. So amazingly healthy leadership focuses on what they want to see rather than on what is. So they have great degree of vision, but they're okay. They don't get rattled when things are not perfectly aligned in this moment. They can see past this. That's what I have for you today.
0: I like it. That's good, Kim. That's a great freedom. That's a great way to describe leadership. Man, that's good. I love that. Um, Kim, how can they connect with you and with frame of mind coaching if they're interested?
1: Yeah. So the best way to connect with me is to look us up on LinkedIn, Twitter. It's Kim Addis. I'm everywhere, but come to frameofmindcoaching.com. On that website is a complimentary coaching call. You'll get to journal. You'll get to experience the magic of someone reading your journal and seeing what you don't see. It's extremely powerful. It's free. Try it out. That one call will kind of wake you up and help you see yourself in a light that you have never seen before. So I invite you to come and try that out. Again, it's frameofmindcoaching.com.
0: And that's awesome. There's going to be some really transformed people in 2020 thanks to Frame of Mind Coaching and I your leadership. I not wait. do not wait. <laughs> Well, awesome. Thank, thank you so much for joining us today, Kim. I hope that you have a great 2020 and beyond.
1: Thank you, TJ. Thank you so much for uh, interviewing me and for this opportunity. It was great to meet you.
0: Great to meet you as well. We will talk to you soon.